Hi, this is Jesse with Red Cloaks Radio, and today we have a really special guest today. We've got Senator Harriet Chandler with us. Joining me as co-host today are... Martha from Boston Red Cloaks. Judy from Indivisible Andover. Linda from Indivisible Acton. Laura from Boston Red Cloaks. And our really special guest, good morning, Senator Chandler. Good morning. I am so proud to be here today. We spoke with you at a time where none of us knew quite what would happen uh, with the Roe Act. And so today is a completely different sunshiny day. And we just want to thank you. All of our organizations feel that without you, there's no way this legislation not only would have come forward, but that it would have continued to have a fighting chance through a historically long legislative session here in Massachusetts and ultimately pass with Amazing support. So we just want to take this time to say thank you from the bottom of our feminist hearts. Well, I just want to say that this would not have happened without the support of the advocates. There were so many reasons why it wouldn't have happened. Uh, People were nervous about it. Why would it happen in a a budget? How can you do this? How can you do that? Why? And and it was a very narrow supermajority that they had in the House. But when you kept kept saying 88% of the Massachusetts population supports abortion, supports this kind of issue. Uh, that made a difference. And you gave voice to that. You called, you, you wrote, you made it yourselves known and you made your, your, your support of this known. And people realized, yes, people were supportive of, 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 this, of this very important piece of legislation. And it didn't matter whether it was part of a budget or how it was. Uh, It had to be done as quickly as possible. What do you see when you look now at the biggest parts of the law that have changed with these specific amendments? Well, I think with this amendment, you know, I've done, I guess it's four in the last five years. And, uh, but this is, this is the highlight of it. This pulls it all together. Couldn't happen without the others, but it happened. Um, this one does a couple of things. Uh, this one decides that 16 and 17 year old young women have control over their bodies. They have the right at 16 to uh, agree to to, to to have sex. And therefore there's an internal consist- consistency that they should also have the right to determine what happens if they just decide to terminate a pregnancy. Uh, so this is a major thing. It takes away parental consent and it takes away the judicial bypass from 16 and 17 year olds, a big issue. Uh, a second big issue is the fatal fetal anomalies. The fact that a, a woman who at the, in the, after 24 weeks, suddenly realizes with her, through her doctor that she has a, she's carrying a fetus that has a fatal fetal anomaly. That means that the fetus will not live on its own after uh, outside the, the, the womb. Uh, she, she no longer has to face the prospect of going to New Mexico or to going to Colorado. Expensive, harrowing, uh, we can go on and on. When here in Massachusetts, we have the best healthcare in the world, but she has to go all the way across the country and what if she can't afford to do it? How does that work? Uh, this is not a method of birth control at, after 24 weeks. Nobody does that. Uh, this is a means of making sure that 
a tragedy does not occur, a, a greater tragedy, a tragedy has already occurred in that family. I would say that those are the two major, major parts of this. And probably the most important thing, the most important thing in this is that we legalize, we say very, very clearly that abortions are legal in Massachusetts. Absolutely. So you mentioned some of the very big positives with this. And, and um, I just wonder, are, are you, are you satisfied with the outcome? Am I satisfied with the outcome? Yeah. Of course I'm satisfied. Uh, there, obviously in any piece of legislation, there's compromise, there's give and there's take. Um, but I think what we came away from this with was the major points that we wanted to do to establish. Uh, we basically moved abortion into a world where it is legal, it is safe and it's accessible. And that is what we started with. That's exactly what we started with. The nuances that maybe we disagreed with uh, along the way or disagreed with along the way, I think are surpassed by what we got in the long run. So yes, I'm, I, I'm very satisfied. This, this is a huge accomplishment and we are all really thrilled. What do you think might happen in the future about um, getting rid of parental consent and judicial bypass for 15 and under? Do you think there's any possibility for that in the future? I, hope, I hoped it would go. I really did hope it would go. Um, but I, I, I will have to see. We'll have to see what, what the environment there is. At this point in time, we've made it clear that 16 and 17 year olds can make that decision. I think much will depend on what happens with 16 and 17 year olds. We wanted to make sure that we uh, captured as many uh, young people having babies as we possibly could so that we, we, we really included as many as we could. 16 and 17 does that. Uh, 15 would even be a bit better, uh, but we'll have to see what happens. I am not terribly happy with judicial bypass for a lot of reasons, as I'm sure many of you are not happy with it. Uh, a judge shouldn't be making decisions about uh, a young woman's body and what happens inside that woman's body. It should be, the decision should be made clearly by the young woman and her doctor. A medical, this is a healthcare issue. This is not a criminal issue. And we have to make sure, and we've tried to do it in this case, that this is healthcare, and we think that that those the, the young woman and her doctor are the the prime the prime decision makers here. Here, here, yeah. <laughs> we're we're very much in accord. <laughs> so I I have a question, and it's maybe a kind of a compound question. It, um, do you think that this is now a settled issue, and do you think the improvements made are secure or is anyone gonna try to reverse the, ch the changes? We have voted three times on this, three times on this bill. Uh, the first time we voted in the House and we voted in the Senate individually. Then they came back with a, uh, what we call a conference committee report, which brings the House bill and the Senate bill together and we voted on that. And then the third time we voted to override the governor's veto. 
An override is a two-thirds majority. We had that in the House. We had that in the Senate. I don't think anybody is going to play with that one. That, that is too decisive. Uh, and you haven't heard much about this since it happened, because I think even the anti-abortion people understand the will of the people have spoken. Look, I'm very happy about that. Me too. Me too. I, and thank you so much. I'm, I'm very happy to meet you, um, knowing how um, instrumental you were in passing this legislation. Um, <clears throat> you started to come in on this earlier, but um, could you talk about um, what are the ways in which activists and grassroots um, people contributed to passage of, of this legislation? I'm so glad you asked <laughs> this question because I don't usually have the opportunity to say thank you to a to a group of people who makes such a difference. But you know, we thought we had a pretty strong case. We had a good bill. Uh, we thought we, we knew 88% of the population supported this. Um, but there were the naysayers too in the legislature and there were the naysayers very loud, not necessarily a large number, but very loud who were saying, no, we don't want this. You didn't put it in the right place. You did it in a budget. Why did you do it so fast? Why, what are you rushing for? Uh, and there are all kinds of issues that we find that we are disturbed about. And you know, we, this was done in the last weeks of the session, the last week of the session, the final bill, the vote came the last week of the session. Without the help of, the, of, of, of people like you, people who advocated so strongly and on our behalf, on behalf of this bill, who flooded the, 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 the phones, who flooded the, uh, the, the, the emails, who talked to people whenever they could grab somebody to talk to in the legislature to make it clear that they cared about it, that these folks would not, be, would not lose their, their office because of this, but rather would probably be supported uh, and, and, and hailed as someone who did the right thing. Uh, it made a difference. It made a huge, huge difference. We were very concerned about the House. And as it was, they had a narrow, as you know, a very narrow majority. Uh, we call that a fail-proof majority, a, a veto-proof majority. Uh, we had a much larger majority in the Senate. Uh, so there wasn't as much concern. But your calls, your consistency, your, uh, your vigilance on this made the difference. You know, we can't do it ourselves as legislators. People in the legislature have, have to be sure that people in their home district care about this and agree with them on this and will support them on this. And you made that very, very clear. These groups that came together, this, this incredible, incredible reproductive rights group that was formed uh, made, made the, all the difference in the world. I can't thank you enough. I can't thank you enough to make sure that even the House would do it was a problem, if you probably remember. Uh, did DeLeo knew he was leaving? Did he want to do this? Well, somebody must have talked to him uh, because he did it and he, he led on it. And that was, I mean, it was his last major act. I don't know whether you're aware of it. It was his last major act as the Speaker of the House. Mm -hmm. And 
it, it meant all the world to us because if DeLeo had not, if Speaker DeLeo had not pushed for this, it wouldn't have happened and the Speaker and, and the Senate could not have voted. We have to wait until the House votes. So on this issue, uh, so it made all the difference. Everybody sort of worked together in, in this. Uh, the advocates were right there when we needed them. Uh, you kept pushing, you never stopped. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And that's not even enough to express my feelings on this subject. I feel so strongly. Remember who I am. I grew up in the bad old days where abortions were backstreet debacles, where people went to butchers because they didn't know what to do. They were pregnant and they didn't know what to do. And coat hangers and falling downstairs. I mean, these terrible, terrible things uh, in which women maybe would never be able to have a child again or maybe die right on the, 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 the table as they had the abortion. Uh, we didn't, I don't ever want that to happen again. And apparently nobody else does either. And you help to get that across to people. We want, we want abortions, but we want them to be safe. We want them to be legal and we want them to be accessible to everyone. And poor people, as we discovered through COVID, uh, poor women, women of color, they suffered in these months of COVID that we have had because it wasn't as easy for them to have an abortion because they didn't have the money to do, a, for example, a late-term abortion if, if they needed it, uh, because it, it costs money to go across the country to uh, New Mexico or Colorado. It costs, you know, it, it, it takes time. Time is important. And when you have to go through judici judicial bypass, you have to arrange a meeting with a judge. You have to set, get on a schedule. Uh, that takes time, and time is the enemy in an abortion. So it, it made, you made all the difference in the world and it, being, a, be, being a, uh, an advocate made the difference in this case. One of the things that we've observed is how important it is in the Commonwealth for people to become more aware of legislators who might not represent them. So, for example, I may not be in your district, but without you, I wouldn't have this legislation. So what we found in doing the podcast is helping people connect. This kind of connection, I think, across the state could have lasting change as people go forward with future legislation. And I know we were constantly told, you really just need to go to your own legislator and tell them what you think. And yet, on the other hand, it seemed like there was a missing piece in how people understand Massachusetts politics, that you do want to go to your own legislator, but you also have to support legislators in other districts who might be the ones who have championed legislation that you want to support. Yes. You must see that more than we do, but boy, we came to see that sharply. We, we do, and that's a message that is hard, hard to teach. Uh, you know, we've had lots of messages about public policy in the last few weeks. And uh, clearly, if we can talk, you know, it's hard to talk to each other. If, if you're in a different district, if you don't even know who your, 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 your uh, representative or senator is. Uh, but if you can close that gap, that would be wonderful. And if you can teach, you know, I did a bill two years ago that I think is very important. It was the, the bill that the civic education bill 
that it makes mandates that every young person before they graduate from high school in Massachusetts has to take a course in civic education that is prepared by the, the Department of Edu Elementary and Secondary Education. And there are three parts to it. One is, the first part is a bit of history of, of, of and the documents that made America were what it is. The second is critical thinking skills. And the third is, I mean, we, that, that means, what is fake news? How do you determine what fake news is? How do you determine, for example, why, why an abortion may be very helpful in some cases and why it, it, it's not what the fake news, which is really fake news, says it is. And the third part is a, an exponential, experiential learning project where people come together to learn. Well, this is an example of an experiential learning project on a, on a statewide basis. And you've shown that when people come together, uh, one plus one equals far more than two. Uh, it makes it possible for issues to, to come to the forefront. And frankly, we get much better ideas from other people. And so it, it, it's helpful to us as we start the new year and the new session to, if you have ideas for legislation, get in touch with us if you have ideas about uh, what you'd like to see in terms of reproductive rights, get in touch with me uh, or get in touch with your own legislator first. And, or, and me, uh, and Pat Haddad, and uh, uh, Jay Livingstone, uh, all of whom care deeply about this. Uh, but you've, you've learned a lesson and that's wonderful. That's, that's wonderful, but that lesson made a bill into a reality. Well, uh, we'd really love to know what's coming up for you. What's on your list and what are you most excited about in terms of the legislation coming up? Well, I am very interested in continuing to work in the healthcare area. Um, uh, that's when I was in the house, I chaired healthcare and then I've gone on and done other things. I'm, I'm concerned about social justice issues at this point. I think we all are. There's a social justice uh, lens here in the reproductive rights area. We have to make sure that women of color and women of limited means have opportunities that they haven't had. And that we have to be very clear about and we have to work hard to make that happen. I'm concerned about some of the, 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 the issues that we still have in police reform. I'm concerned about my schools in, in, in Worcester and all over the state uh, to make sure we, we still have in Worcester a policeman in every school. Uh, that's not a great idea. I want kids to understand that the police are not the enemy, but if they stand as the enemy in a school resource sort of guise, uh, they will be the enemy, and that's not good. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking, I'm, I also am very concerned. I, I lost at the last minute a, an opportunity to get, to create something called a dental therapist. Uh, too many people don't have dental care. And uh, we had this uh, advanced, uh, advanced practice program called Dental Therapist that I've been working on so hard for five years and have gotten, I thought we were gonna get it done this year in the healthcare bill and it was left on the table. So I'm, I'm working on that. The one thing that moved forward was an act to reduce racial disparities in maternal health. Right, and, and it passed. 
and it passed and it seems like that's going to bring forward a whole lot of research through the study of understanding what action steps could be taken. Um, the other thing that we know has been out there for many years is the Healthy Youth Act that hasn't moved over the line. One thing we also noticed is it's really hard for people to talk about reproductive health, to talk about how people become pregnant, to talk about menstruation, to talk about abortion. So, you know, we're interested in what legislation may come up now that we've kind of broken the ice. And we've talked to a lot of legislators about reproductive health. Would the Healthy Youth Act have a better chance now that we've talked about a much tougher issue by talking about abortion? So I keep saying to people, we wouldn't need the Abortion Act if we had the Healthy Youth Act. Because if, if students had the opportunity to have good sex education in school, they might not get themselves in the position of being pregnant when they didn't want to be pregnant. So it, it's, it's very important. I've been a co-sponsor of the bill since the beginning uh, and I will co-sponsor it again. We ha I have a, uh, a superintendent who does not want to see it happen in, in, in my community schools. Uh, that is a real problem. And that's where advocacy becomes really important, really important. When the community speaks, I think superintendents have to listen uh, and so it, it, I, I hope that you will become more involved in that. I really hope you will become more involved. So I wanted to ask about, you said your superintendent doesn't want to get involved or doesn't want to change things. Is there any way that we can educate that the people that are in charge of all the important situations and legislations in like the superintendent, like our, our representatives, some do not know or do not know, do not have their facts correct. So is there any way that we can educate them to, or make them at least read a pamphlet to know the truth and so they can legislate correctly? I, I That's a wonderful idea. And that is that would be so important and so valued. Uh, I, I, I think there needs to be red cloaks and other reproductive rights groups in every community. I hope that you're considering organizing yourselves in every community across the state because it, it matters if to, uh, to the appointed or elected official that they have people in their own community who feel strongly on an issue and uh, who are able to educate them. Uh, for example, when people run for school committee, for example, it might be not a bad idea for these advocacy groups to uh, suggest that if you want the support and the imprimatur of our group saying that we endorse you, uh, then you'll have to come before us and answer some questions for, from us so that we know where you stand on issues. This is a very important area. It is really, it, it's a, it, it has incredible repercussions because it's not a one-shot thing. It means that you're going to get yourself involved in, uh, in the consistency of who runs for important offices and who, if, when, when a superintendent comes, uh, is, 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 is being decided, maybe they have 
somebody should be on the committee who represents reproductive rights. Uh, it, I, I think you have got to, you've been very good in pushing reproductive rights. I think maybe it's time for you to think about pushing your value in, in, in advocating for reproductive rights and doing it through the channels that already exist because they do exist, but they have no one speaking for you. So well said. Well, we are again, incredibly fortunate and happy to have you on as a guest. It is, again, we, we just wanna all be unmuted and give you a really loud round of applause on behalf of all of our groups and all of our members. Thank you so much. Standing. Yes. <laughs> yes, you get a little standing ovation there. It's, it's just, you know, and I think you're right. It's a partnership and we've got to have people inside the state house like you who are really championing it on the floor when it's time for the vote to draft the legislation, to do the negotiation when you have to compromise, but to still really in that compromise room, hold firm. And then you need people like us working with you and, and not just sort of leaving you thinking, well, once you're elected, that's that because really democracy requires engagement and we are so glad to engage with you. Oh, well, you, we need you to tell us what you think and how you feel about issues. We need to know that we can turn to you when issues require us to get a better understanding of how, how, how the community thinks because you represent the community. And I just thank God you, you exist and that you were there for us for this because we couldn't have done it without you. And I don't say that glibly. I say that from the bottom of my heart. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Senator Chandler. Thank you.